Welcome to Water Beyond Earth, a podcast series where we explore the world of lunar water extraction and purification. Our model example is the LUVEX project, a collaborative European endeavor for lunar water extraction and purification technologies. Join us as we present the project vision, as we examine the importance of water in space exploration and discuss the technical aspects of water extraction and purification. Each episode will bring you closer to understanding a future in which astronauts will sustain themselves and their exploration voyages by using the resources they find beyond Earth's boundaries. Hello and welcome to Water Beyond Earth podcast mini-series. My name is Monika Brandis-Lipinska and with this episode we're launching the series. In this episode we're happy to welcome LUVEX project lead, Dr. Paul Zabel, aerospace engineer with a deep passion for science fiction and space exploration. Paul has been a vital member of the DLR Institute of Space Systems since 2011, specializing in life support systems for future crewed space missions. His expertise lies in developing plant cultivation systems to sustainably produce food in confined spaces with minimal energy consumption. Since 2013, Paul has been actively involved in the international Eden ISS project, testing plant cultivation technologies for space applications. He overwintered and thus lived for 12 months in Antarctica. He was the gardener of the Eden ISS greenhouse at the German Neumeyer 3 station, where he grew strawberries, tomatoes, salad, cucumbers, and other vegetables for the crew in the icy desert of Antarctica, a place that is as remote and isolated as space. Now he took his research a step further and started looking deeper into in-situ resource utilization. Hello, Paul. Hello. We're very happy to have you. I wanted to start with um, asking you straight away about the LUVEX project, but maybe we should start with explaining uh, what in-situ resource utilization is and what is that you're currently working on. Yes, of course. Um, so in situ resource utilization refers to using resources in space that are available on site. So for example, on the moon or on Mars, so that we can reduce the resupply um, that we need from Earth. So we want to make use of, for example, the water that is on the moon. Okay, so water on the moon is actually what is the objective of the LUVEX project. Can you, can you give us the general overview about it? Yes, yeah, so in the LUVEX project, we focus on the development of technologies and processes to extract water from water ice reservoirs on the lunar surface. And we would like to demonstrate that here on Earth in a thermal vacuum chamber environment, so an environment that is very close to the environment on the moon itself. And you have the regolith as well here, or how does that work? Yeah, so the, the regolith, so the lunar soil, um, we, we have not the original one because there are only a couple of kilograms here on Earth that were brought with the Apollo missions. So we are using what is called a, a regolith simulant, so uh, a mixture of Earth minerals that is very close to the composition of the lunar regolith. And that regolith, as I understand, also contains water. Yes, on the lunar surface, we assume or there are measurements that, that prove that there are water particles or water molecules in the lunar surface, but we don't know really if it's uh, 
if the water is or how the water is mixed with the regoliths uh, particles. I see. So you're actually like experimenting and trying like different versions of how much water they could be, and and then you're trying to extract it from there. Yes, exactly. So it's it's uh, really amazing that although the the moon is the closest planetary body, we we actually don't know a lot about the moon. So we have to experiment with with different settings, with different compositions of of regular simulant and water ice particles in order to um, yeah get a lot a wide range of experiment results in in the hope that a couple of those are close to how the actual system could work on the moon. And is there any way that you can try verifying what what works better and what works worse and what could be actually that fits better, like that it's more as lunar environment? So in LUVEX, we want to verify um, our water extraction technologies um, in a thermal vacuum chamber here on Earth. And that means that we have a closed chamber where we remove all the atmosphere so that we have a high vacuum condition and we also cool down the, uh, the chamber to the temperatures that are expected to be on the moon. So we cool the, temp uh, the, the chamber down to around minus 200 degrees Celsius. So it's really then a vacuum and a cold environment similar to how it is on the moon. That's really fascinating how you're, how you're doing it. And can you tell us what are the specific breakthroughs that you're aiming to develop within this project when it comes to the technologies, the extraction and purification technologies that you're developing? Yeah, so first of all, we want to verify that we can extract water from water from a water-ice uh, regolith uh, mixture um, by heating it up and capturing the water vapor and liquefying the water again. And then we also want to test um, if we can treat this water and purify it because we expect that the water will be polluted with dust and with other minerals and we hopefully can remove all those so that the water is able uh, so that you can drink the water and that we can also use the water in water electrolysis for propellant production for example and besides testing each single step separately we also want to make a complete process chain test. So really connecting all the different pieces of the experiment together um, and produce at least one liter of water at the end. Okay. And then my next question was, what are the key challenges? But then from what you said, I may assume it's connecting all of these steps together or is, is there something else that it's the main challenge of the project? So that's definitely one of the big challenges to, to connect the different process steps together and, and run them in a continuous way. But there are also um, some fundamental challenges involved. So we don't know yet how the, the water ice regolith uh, mixture behaves when we, when we warm it up and how the water vapor forms, where it flows. So there's a lot of fundamental research questions also involved in this project. And that makes it really exciting because it's a combination of uh, uh, fundamental physics and engineering. Um, and that's what, what I really like. Speaking of combination, this project is also a collaboration of different institutes and, and uh, industry, academia and research organizations. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more of how that collaboration works? 
Yes, of course. So the collaboration in the project is, is, is really key to that. So um, the, the European space sector is, is really um, growing and developing. And it's, it's good that we make use of partners in all of the different countries in, in Europe um, in order to work together so that um, we can combine the expertise of all the partners in one project um, to achieve better results. That's really great to see that these projects are coming together and that like we get to work together on subjects like that. Um, so what are your expected outcomes? Like what is that you actually want to achieve by the end of the projects and and what is the potential impact of it within the European sector, within the organizations that you're developing it, but also on the broader scale? So the direct outcomes of the project will be uh, a lot of experimental data and and the the results of the evaluation of this data, but that's just the immediate outcome. And the the more long-term impact would be that um, we can, with this project, we, we see it as a precursor for a future lunar mission. So we tested here on Earth in this project, but our vision for, for the next uh, 10 years is to from uh, going from this project to a real hardware uh, system that is put on the moon to perform the same tasks that we test here in the thermal vacuum chamber, but directly on the moon. And that's really what, what this project, uh, LUVEX, is enabling us so that we are really can start here, um, but always with the long-term uh, vision in head. And what then, how do you imagine if at the point where the project is fully developed and it's actually, you know, built on the moon, how do you imagine, how does, how will that change the future of lunar space exploration and, and space exploration in general? Yes. Yeah, so when we uh, imagine that we can prove that, uh, that we can extract water from water ice on the moon, um, then we can produce potable water on site, which means that we don't have to bring it from Earth, uh, which reduces the costs of the uh, of, of the space mission by a lot. And uh, if we can purify the water to such a pure state that we can use it for, for water electrolysis to produce um, hydrogen and oxygen, then we can even produce uh, rocket fuel because liquid uh, hydrogen and liquid oxygen is a very potent um, uh, yeah, rocket fuel combination. And that would mean that the whole um, space flights in the solar system would get much, much cheaper if we can produce the propellant on the moon or on the Mars in future instead of bringing all the propellant from Earth. Wow. That's, so you're really enabling the future of space travels. That's, that's truly fascinating. Yeah, it's, that, that's really the long-term goal, obviously, but uh, we have to start at some point to make this real. That's amazing. It's 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 incredible to get this bigger picture because one would think that water it's we need water for living to drink water, but rocket fuel out of water that's something that is maybe not the first thing that you have on mind. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's imagine you and I are part of the crew on the lunar missions where we are having access to LUVEX, uh, developed by LUVEX water purification and extraction technologies. Can you, can you give this bigger picture of how our daily life would look like and where we take advantage of the fact that we have the access to water? What would be, what would be doing and where would we actually using it? 
Yeah, so if you imagine uh, you're in a, in a lunar habitat living there, so the first difference to Earth is that um, you have no big infrastructure there. So you have your small habitat, um, which you used to, to live in, and which um, provides you with all the necessary resources to live, so uh, oxygen to breathe and also water for drinking. And if you imagine that uh, a typical astronaut requires 2.5 up to 3 liters of, of water to drink or for food uh, per day, um, that's, that's a lot of water. And um, there are technologies in the life support system to recycle this water and produce it, for example, from urine or from, from other waste uh, products. But you can never recover all of the water. So we'll, you always need water from an external source to, to make up this, this gap of, of water that you cannot recycle. And the, uh, this water, because of, of how much water the, the astronauts need per day, it, it's a lot of water that you need over a mission that lasts for, for several hundred days, for example. And if we can produce that water on site by, by extracting it from the ground, we can reduce the resupply mass from, from Earth. And another point is that water is not only used for, for the astronauts by, by, by drinking it or to prepare meals. Um, water is, can also be used to grow plants on, on the lunar surface, so on, not on the surface, but inside the habitat. Um, and plants, as, as all people know, require also a lot of water. And you can still recover some of the water that the, the plants um, evaporate during their, their daily growth. But still, again, there is a small portion of water that you cannot recover. And making up this uh, portion of water by, by water that we extract on the site um, would be a huge benefit to, to every space mission. I see. that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that it's all connected and we need much more than we probably think. Uh, does this water that we're extracting and then using, can we still put it back to the circle and use again the purification technologies to reuse it again and again? Yes, that's exactly what, what we would like to do in a, in a future uh, space habitat because every single kilogram of resource is, is really valuable because the moon is a, is a harsh place with, with no atmosphere, with no infrastructure. So every single kilogram of water or, or the other resources that your astronauts require needs to be recycled and reused uh, as much as possible. So the water that we um, extract from the lunar surface will most likely be purified with the same technologies or similar technologies that we use to recover water from urine, for example. So there will be an interconnected system between the um, in situ resource utilization part of the habitat and the life support system of the habitat. I see. And... Space is not the only place where resources are very valuable. We could also find places like that here on Earth. So would it be possible to use that systems also for Earth applications, for terrestrial applications like Antarctica that where you are growing plants? So would that is that something that would help with with missions to Antarctica or other remote places? Um, we hope so. Although one has to say that... Um... Water purification on Earth uh, is quite good developed, um, technically wise at least. 
Um, but the major difference between between water purification on Earth and, and in space is that on Earth, um, water purification techniques sometimes rely on, on chemicals or, or other um, um, consumables like silver irons, etc., um, which we will not have on the moon. So on the moon, we try to purify the water with systems that require basically no chemicals and no... Um, um, no consumables or, or close to no consumables. So also the filters need to be designed in a way that we can clean them and not dispose them. And I think that's the the connection then back to Earth and also to remote areas uh, like Antarctica, that um, if we can show that those kinds of systems can work, um, then, then they could be applied in Antarctica where you have similar logistics problems uh, compared to a space mission. Besides Antarctica, can you give another examples where then it could be applicable on Earth, where actually we need these purification technology systems for terrestrial applications? Yes, so on, on Earth, but basically water purification techniques, you, you need everywhere where humans are, um, because humans also on Earth need, need to drink water and you have... They, not every human has access to, to clean water. Um, so everywhere where we uh, take water from, from a well or from, from a river in order to supply it to, to a human population, um, water purification techniques are required. It's fascinating to see how these developments for space, like how we are applying it on Earth, but also how we're being pushed with space exploration, like you said, you cannot really use any chemicals or filters. Like it all has to be reusable and and without any additions. So how we're really pushed with space exploration, and we cannot take any shortcuts. And how then you can apply it here back on Earth? It's it's really fascinating to see that and see this bigger picture of of technology developments. Okay, Pau. So as a science fiction fan. Can you, can you, do you know any book or any story that would put water as, as the main part of the story, like a starting point? Or can you imagine the story where these technology could play a major role? One of my uh, favorite science fiction book series is uh, called The Expanse. Um, it's also available, uh, some of the books were, were put into a TV series and um, one story arc in, in, in this book series is about how the humanity uses the resources of the solar system um, to, yeah, to, to explore the solar system and to populate the solar system. And there is one, um, in, in one of the books, there is, uh, it's, it's focused on, on water ice, but not from the moon, but from the outer solar system. So the main characters work on a ship that um, collect ice from comets and then deliver the ice to the inner solar system to, to supply it uh, as water to, um, to human colonies in the asteroid belt and on, on, on the moon. Um, and, then, um, other sh and then this ship gets ambushed by pirates and, and they cannot deliver the, the water uh, to the asteroid belt. And so the the, the, the humans living in the asteroid belts, they run low on water and, and they are really, um, yeah, getting, are stressed and, and getting um, anxious that they get not enough water to live. 
that's amazing. So it really can be a, a major actor of the of the great science fiction story or or our future story. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a there is of course a, a good connection and, and and water because it's so important for for humans but also for propellant production. Um, it's it's such a versatile resource that you can use for for a lot of things. So it will be very important um, for for the future exploration of the solar system to to extract water and and use water um, that is available and on the moon, on Mars, or on or somewhere else. And do you have any estimate or a guess where this science fiction may become science fact and where we can actually go to the moon and start living there and having water and just proper, you know, proper adventures? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, the, the scenario that I described that, uh, that, that is described in the books that I mentioned, that probably takes another 100 or 200 years to, to become real. But um the next concrete step would be to really go with a uh, um, robotic mission on the lunar surface to the South Pole, where we expect the water ice to be, um, and put our technologies that, the, that we develop here in the LUVEX project, put them on the lunar surface to prove that we can do it there. And then the step after that would be then, of course, bring humans there and build a habitat to use the water. And, and I hope that the first step, the robotic mission, is... Um, should be achievable in the next uh, seven years until 2030. And hopefully the, the human uh, lunar habitat should also be within the next 10 years. That would be really nice. Would you go? Uh, I don't know yet, uh, <laughs> but I, I would definitely consider it. On like the first verification mission or, or maybe after a couple of years when it runs smoothly? <laughs> Yeah, probably more uh, after the habitat is already established. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Paul. We learned so much uh, in this episode. We learned how important the water is and how it's basically the starting point of the space exploration, not only for humans to live there, but, but to grow plants, to establish the settlements and eventually to travel further to the other planets to have rocket propellant and and to start our space endeavors. So that was really fascinating and fingers crossed for the, all of the future developments and for the development of these technologies. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Paul. Yeah, thank you too, Monica. You're listening to podcast miniseries Water Beyond Earth uh, with uh, Monica Brandislifinska and Luvex project lead Paul Zabel. And please uh, follow our podcast to learn more about the project development, significance of water uh, beyond Earth and space explorations. The podcast miniseries Water Beyond Earth is hosted by LUVEX, a research consortium funded by the European Union Horizon 2022 Space Science and Exploration Technologies Program under grant agreement number 10108137.